Hi, and you're very welcome back to episode 16 of season two of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. Myself, Brefney Early, and once again, Aaron Clark joins me to dissect everything across the women's game over the last seven days or so. Aaron, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me again. Looking forward to it. Um, going to be another packed show. Looking forward to getting some opinions from, and seeing where we, where we differ and what happens and a bit of fun. Absolutely. Well, we have a fairly action-packed show, as you mentioned, but we've got a lot of different, um, I suppose, reactions to the weekend's games. We've a full in-depth interview with James O'Callaghan that we recorded earlier today, as well as some post-match reaction from DLR versus Bohemians in the shape of the two Kellys, Graham, the manager for DLR, and Rachel, the netminder for Bohemians. No relation as far as we know. They definitely didn't do each other any favours at the weekend. That game ended scoreless. We hear from both of them later on once we've had a chat about the game. We'll also hear from two players on the Wexford side, Kira Rossiter and Kylie Murphy will be joining us after their fantastic 1-0 victory in Talca Park. Fantastic for them, less so for champions and league leaders, Shelburne. But it does mean that as supporters of the league and commentators on the league, we're only talking about a five-point difference instead of what potentially could have been an 11-point, maybe unassailable lead at the top of the WNL table. So... Uh, we're all kind of happy, outside of the Shells camp at least, that the, that the league is live and that we have something to look forward to after the next couple of weeks. Aaron, I suppose we might as well start at that particular fixture. It's really the, the talking point of the week. Shells nil, Wexford won. One of the strangest goals we've seen in the WNL in, in many years. What's your thoughts on that uh, result for, for the Southerners? Do you know what? It was, it was, it was exactly like the Galway game the week before where Galway just held in the game for so long and Shell sort of looked to run out of ideas as the second half went on. Noel tried to make changes to see can he impact the game, but he couldn't. And the longer it went on, you could see Shell's getting frustrated. You could see supporters getting frustrated as well. You could hear the moans and groans. A couple of tackles maybe didn't go their way. A couple of decisions that didn't. Um, at one stage, Noel King got a yellow card for, for giving out and Noel Murray as well. And then when, when it happens, you can sort of see before it Jess Lawler's intent on sort of pushing and pushing she comes she comes on as a sub and the first thing she does is she wins a throw in for a side by putting Pearl Slattery under pressure from a from a kick out and then you know a little bit later on when the goal comes it's it's just her closing down Amanda Budden. Some people say it's a goalkeeper mistake. Some people say it's it's good counter press from 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 Lawler but she looked like somebody who was intent on showing Stephen Quinn yet she deserves a bit of a run in the side and when it happens, it's one of them. Uh, as, soon as, as soon as it comes off, or you know straight away it's in the net, the Shelburne players sort of hang their heads in a little bit of disbelief. But like, apart from a save from Maeve Williams made one or two saves, Chelsea didn't have a lot of chances. They didn't create much either. And I think that's probably the most disappointing thing is that the chances weren't necessarily created for them. Then again, Wexford didn't create much either. So if you'd have said to me at 90 minutes a draw fair result, I'd have said, Yeah, probably Wexford were probably coming up to Dublin thinking if we don't lose this game, great. It's it's a positive considering they hadn't beaten P Mount or Shelburne in the league so far this season. But for Wexford to walk away with all three points, it was it was a big result. And you know, one day walk away from, from Talca Park smiling, probably un, un, unbeknownst how, how it actually happened for them. Of course, the goal went a little bit viral immediately as it happened on Saturday evening because it's just strange that clearance kind of re- rebounded back into her own net from Amanda Budden's kick against Jess Lawler. But uh, the commentary and the build-up to it, how many people have spoken to you about that? Because you were on comms for the game. You were just talking about how 
Wexford wouldn't have been happy with how the game was going. And before you even finish the sentence, the ball's in the back of the net. It's typical. It's typical, isn't it? You know, it happens. It happens so often. And for me, I thought like when when she came on, I said it straight away. You could see Jess's intent, but for Wexford, they were they were they were in the game still at that stage. I think. They'd start to nullify Shelburne where you can see the first time crosses, and that's when you know Shelburne are frustrated. They just start putting lobbing balls into the box that are easily defendable. And considering Wexford are missing the likes of Avian Clancy, Becky Watkins missing both sitting and leaving cert, then Lawrence Warren defence, they're missing three big players. And I think the whole day was built around the Jess Sue send off. That's what everything was built around. She was giving flowers and all uh, after the game. There was fans giving pick giving her stuff and you know to say congratulations and best of luck. But Wexford coming and ruin that spoils and sort of probably send Shelburne into the break on a little bit of disbelief considering that the the result the week before five points dropped in the space of a week where they looked like they were cruising and the biggest biggest concern for Nolan is probably the way they finished them last two games. I think he might want the break to come as quick as he might wanted the break to come as quick as possible, give his players a bit of a break just to to refocus before the second half of the season. You know, and of course, you were at the game, as we know from the, the commentary, but uh, you didn't get a chance to catch up with two of the players up from Wexford immediately after the game. Here's what Kylie Murphy and Kira Rossner had to say about the game immediately afterwards, speaking to Aaron. Kira Rossner, a 1 0 win against Shelbourne. First win against either Shelbourne or Piedmont this season. It was a dogged and determined performance on your side. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's a big win. It's one that we needed. and. Like it didn't come easy either. Shells were were all over us basically. Like um, they're a great team themselves. Piedmont, Athlone, Sligo, everyone. Like I said before, uh, every team in the league now, like it's it, there's competition there, and every game is a big game. And to come up against the likes of Shells and win one nil, obviously we're delighted with it. But we still have a lot to improve on because, in fairness, they were all over us. Um, but yeah, we're delighted with the win. And a stellar defensive display. Especially in the second half, limited them to very, very little, if any. You know, it was a one-headed effort that Maeve Williams just come off a line to claim, but you limit them to, to no real chances. Yeah, to be fair, like our defence has been unbelievable all season. Like they deal with absolutely everything that comes on top of them. Um, I think they're very hard, hard defence to beat, and I do think that we kind of reverted them to just uh, long-range shots, which again is down to the brilliant performance from our defence. And uh, like it's just unbelievable for them. I'm, I'm really proud of them. Kept us a, in the game. It was a big, important game to bounce back, especially after last week's defeat. Yeah, like obviously last week's defeat um, was a bit disheartening. Uh, like shells, kind of got went two points uh, or one, po- one point, a one. point ahead of us, um, one point more ahead of us, and we kind of got disheartened from that. But there's no point putting heads down. Like it's only halfway through the season now. It's it's definitely not over yet. There's still a long way to go. So we're just gonna keep fighting. Um, uh, every game, every game is important now. Every game is like a cup final. Drop the drop the gap back now to five points. Yeah, could have went out to eleven if the result had gone the other way. Yeah, thankfully now it's gone the other way. But like I said, it's a long season. There's a long way to go. Um, God knows what's going to happen now in the the next the next half of the season. So we're going to push on anyway and try up it more and more every game. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Looking forward to a bit of a break. Can't wait for a break. <laughs> Kylie Murphy, you got the reaction you would have wanted from your team. Uh, shock loss last week in Sligo and then bounced back with a win at the home of the Champions. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, very disappointed to to lose last week, but credit Sligo, they were excellent. And unfortunately, we just we just couldn't put our chances away. We created so much, just one of them days, put it down to. 
Um, me and Miss Lavelle didn't help at the end either, so <laughs> it is what it is. But we parked it and put it behind us and come up here today. Look, I mean, I'm not going to stand here and say it was pretty. Like, we weren't, it definitely wasn't the best of Wexford Utes, but I mean, a win, a win is a win at the end of the day. And I mean, that bit of luck, like, you know, it's just, it, it happens, you know, and, and a lot of the time during the season it's, it's, it's gone against us and you just have to take it on the chin and move forward but thankfully we got that bit of a deflection today and three points and, and, and to try narrow the gap because I mean it would have been it would have been a serious mountain to climb if, if, if we had had a draw or a loss today coming back in the mid-season break just it would have been an awful lot Considering you're missing the likes of Becky Watkins you're missing Avian Clancy today as well it must have been a little bit frustrated even today at times where you know you were breaking well but that final pass just wasn't there for you. Yeah and, and, and it's been like that and, and that's that's a huge part of what happened last week up in Sligo as well you know it's just we're creating and it's just it's that final ball it's just for, for some reason or other it's just at the moment it's just not clicking um, but we're working hard we're working hard in training and you know we're trying to do do everything right and, and, and do it the way we should be um, but I mean, all we can do is just keep trying and, and, and keep working our asses off and training. And look, here's hoping it'll eventually just click. And I feel like when it does, we'll settle and, and we'll be okay. But look, we've Aves and, and Becky to come back after the after the mid-season break. And we'll have a little bit of rest in Edel and maybe Lauren coming back. You know, we've got a few players. But look, I mean, there's teams, there's players coming and going all season. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not going to stay here and win Jamon or last week. Oh, we didn't have this player, didn't have that player. It is what it is. We just take it on the chin. And, and get on with it. I mean, we had a team good enough out there to beat, beat Chelsea today. Was it pretty? No. Did we win? Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's the way soccer goes. Of course, the actual weekend action started a little bit before the weekend due to some nuptials that took place over the weekend. And uh, it was DLR Waves in action on Thursday night. They played host to Bohemians out in the Belfield Bowl. And... Uh, it was a bit, one of those kind of drab affairs, nil-nil the final score, very little really in for either side. I don't think either side would be too happy with the results. Your thoughts no. here at the game? No, absolutely not. And the funny thing is, Brefney, I was speaking for the Bowles assistant manager, Patra, he and I started saying to him, the amount of times these sides have played nil-all draws is astronomical. They've played so many. I think there's only been one game where one side has had a win in it. And... You know, that's the sort of performances that they just seem to cancel each other out and nullify each other out. I thought Rebecca Cook or Bambi was, was very good in, in patches in the first half. But the problem was is when both sides got to the got to the final third, they just couldn't really weren't clinical enough. They just couldn't find a chance the second half in particular late on, like bows were pressing late on, but they couldn't put anything in towards towards uh Raquel Askenite, who was making her DLOA's debut and goal, like Pretty, pretty easy. Even the goalkeepers had a pretty, pretty uneventful evening, apart from having to come and claim some balls. And it was, you know, it was one of them, to be honest with you, both sides looked tired. Unfortunately for Bowes, it seems as though Sinead Taylor is going to be out now injured, come off it, come off injured, and then by, by the looks of things, has, has had surgery since the game. So we wish Sinead a, a speedy recovery, uh, a talisman woman up front for them in their leader. So they'll be hoping to get her back. I think for both sides, do you know what? They'll be just looking. To park that because it wasn't the best game of football at all, to be honest. And a one a nil all draw is probably fair considering the chances. Well, like we said, we did catch up, or you did catch up with someone from each side. The two Kellys, uh, Rachel Kelly in goals for uh, Bohemians. We'll hear from her first, and then immediately afterwards, we'll hear from Graham Kelly, the DLR manager. Rachel Kelly, we're here after a nil all draw with DLR Waves. 
How do you reflect on tonight's performance? Didn't have a lot to do. No, I mean, thanks to my back four and my midfield, like it was, it was a great game for us. I think we kept the ball a bit more. We need to just be a bit more clinical up top. Um, but we're getting there and we're working hard and you can really see it on the pitch now. Made massive strides though since the start of the season the way you are now. You know, I think the win, the draw against Piemont in particular probably gave a lot of confidence to, and then to go out and beat them as, as well. Absolutely, it just showed like we're capable of it. So we just need to believe in ourselves and I think we have that now, especially after the win against Piemont. We really believe in ourselves and you can see it on the pitch now. How does a, you know, how do you reflect on the first half of the season for you in particular, coming back into the, the league, having been away? Yeah, I mean, it took, it took me a few weeks to settle in, new team, new squad, new management. Um, but I'm absolutely delighted now. Great, we have a great bond. The girls are great. Management is great as well. So uh, really good first half of the season. And what do you do now in terms of you know the the, the break? Do you look to recover the body or do you, do you try to keep a bit sharp during it? Absolutely. I mean a bit of both. You want to recover, but you also you can't be uh, you can't be too lackadaisy on your break. So a week off and then straight back in. Is it probably coming? Maybe a little bit. Uh, is it coming the right time or the wrong time? Considering it's quite a long break. Yeah, it is, and we have momentum now, uh, as you can see on the pitch. So, I mean, we'll we'll build on it again when we're back in after a week off. Brilliant, Rachel. Oh, Thanks, Aaron. Graham Kelly, and it all draw with Bowes. How do you reflect on that performance? Yeah, it, it, look, I think we were a better team. We created better chances. Uh, in fairness, the Bowes were well organised, and you know they slowed the game down. But uh, yeah, frustrated probably Aaron. To, you know to look at the chances that we created. You know, and and uh, we probably didn't play as well as we can either. But look. We take the point, it's another clean sheet. And we go into the break now and we reassess things, you know, and hopefully have a good second part of the season. Second half, you, you tried to make a lot of changes as well, just to try and freshen things up as well. Yeah. Is that a combination of maybe tired bodies as well as just not going the way we would have wanted? Yeah, a bit about that, and yeah, you're right. Um, obviously, we, we have a good squad there, so we know we can bring on, you know, good, really good players into the team. Uh, and players are tired, it was a very warm night, as you're seeing. I think both teams got tired. So, uh, yeah, it was just freshening things up. And as you say, it's been a long first half of the season, so we'll enjoy the break now. And what way do you approach this break now? Because it's, it's quite long, it's not just a, a short week or two. Yeah, the first week is just total relaxation, you know, it's just chill out and uh, a lot of the girls are going away, which is brilliant. And, and they just, we'll go in the second week, they'll start their gym sessions and we'll go back training this day, two weeks. So we'll take two weeks completely out of it. And then we have five sessions before we play P-Mount, so. How do you look back on the first half of the season? You must be frustrated quite a lot. You haven't won two games in a row since the opening two yeah. games. That must be frustrating for you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's definitely frustrating. Um, I, I just think that we've, uh, you know, we've been unlucky in some games and some games we haven't performed in. And it's just trying to get that probably consistency into our team, I think. Um, you know, we've a really good squad there. We're playing good football. But maybe in the final third, we just need to sharpen things up a little bit, you know. And, and I think when we look back and reflect on it, I think consistency is probably the word that we're looking for, and a bit more consistency out of uh, our performances. Because as you say, it's been the first two games of the season where we won back to back. But we'll take the two clean sheets in a row from here and from last uh, Saturday, and we'll prepare for PMO then when we come back. It's no easy task though, as well <laughs> to prepare from after an international break. No, of course not. In terms, of, in terms of the second half of the season, I assume you'll be looking for a good cup run. The draw hasn't been made yet for the, for the first round of the cup, which will take place the week after. Yeah. assume you're just looking to try and get a, one of the nicer teams to the draw. Listen, as you know, Aaron, there's no easy games in this league. You know, even like last week down in Treaty, I finished 4-0, but the first 20 minutes Treaty were in the game, two great chances. So the, the cup run, for me, it's get a home draw, you know, and from there then see what you can do. And look, we still have ambitions to finish in that top three. Yeah, we're five points off second place at the moment, but obviously all the other teams have to play on Saturday. 
today uh, and see what way them results go because we could still be five points off second place on Saturday evening you know with, with if the results go the way they are uh, and that's not a big you know big gap to climb back but it's obviously going to be a tough second half of the season and we, look we'll just regroup and we'll go again with the way the league is at the moment you know as we said we spoke about like Sligo beating Wexford last week Bowes getting getting the result Bowes getting results it's it's a lot more difficult for you, it's a lot more difficult for you to say go out week in week out against the teams maybe where previous season you'd be able to predict the results where now you necessarily can't it must make it more exciting especially to be involved in because if you know if you have a slip up you're not necessarily going to sometimes it might cause you any damage yeah absolutely like we'd be frustrated there tonight we, like three points would have put us right back in the mix but one point still keeps you in that you, you know but as you say there's just no easy games like you're looking at the games now on saturday and you're going it's very hard to predict who's going to do what as you say sligo beat wexford last week they host p mount this week so that's interesting shells on wexford is interesting you know obviously at, at loan then again um playing cork is it galway galway at loan and galway derby and then cork and, and treaty derby so there's just no easy games there and as you say it's really exciting league this year um, and it's great because as you said you have to be prepared the girls have to be prepared uh, and it'll make the league more exciting and you know hopefully bring more people there's a great crowd here tonight and that's what we want so hopefully more people keep coming to games brilliant Graham look forward to catching you soon. thanks Aaron. of course another scoreless draw played out over the weekend that was over in Merview uh, not usually in DC Park unfortunately for Galway Women's FC they ran out nil-nil with Athlone Town. Plenty of players here, but familiar to both teams. They, they seem to have a lot of back and forth between them. A couple of girls, Galway-based, living, living in Athlone or playing for Athlone or playing for Galway. There's a, a kind of a almost a subculture of, of players that go between the two teams over there over the last few seasons. Um, you kind of what you expect when you when you're facing some teams you know so well. Bit of a scoreless nil-nil draw. Stream was poor disappointing to have that game and um, move from from MDC Park now I have to say we, we mentioned that on the show last week that it was disappointing we had a bit of, had a bit of a, a chat about it a bit of a criticism about it uh, Galway actually did reach out to us to let us know that they had tried to change the game but that it was out of their control and that um it wasn't that 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 they may do with what they could in the circumstances they it found seems to be it seems to be one every year that they seem to get nearly turfed out of MDC Park for essential maintenance so you know maybe it's it's maybe it's it's something that we need to look at from a women's national league point of view that we align the two mid-season breaks so that doesn't happen because if they're going to do the essential maintenance they might as well do it have both teams off or even from a league perspective this is something that maybe the Galway FA or, or Galway should communicate to the club to the to the women's national league and say listen on this weekend this is when we plan to do the maintenance because of the league of Ireland have Galway away so we avoid that because Murphy is Murphy United is good facilities, but it's not really what we'd expect, and especially considering Galway normally top class with the streaming as well. Yeah, I think it's important that the perception is there as well as the reality. Obviously, no no uh, issue with Murphy. It's a fantastic facility for for junior intermediate football, even for training facilities. But it's not set up to cater for crowds or streaming or press um, as easily as as MDC Park is, and, and I think the facilities need to be at a, a minimum. That being said, I think it's important that, like you talked about getting games off or, or having games away, it wouldn't be that difficult with the length of the two layoffs. Um, you just make sure that maybe either side of both breaks, that the Galway sides are away. You could probably generate the entire month where there's no game um, in that particular facility without really inconveniencing anybody. But who who, who does their, their renovations in the middle of, both seasons it's a bit crazy but listen 
we are where we are. We just want to put on the record that Galway, it was outside of the club's control uh, for last Saturday. Evening. But anyway, the actual game itself, kind of one of those forgettable kind of fixtures, really. Do you know what's funny? The last couple of times they've played each other, they've actually been decent scoring games as well. And considering Galway are coming in off the back of, I think they're seven or eight unbeaten, and, Wex- and Athlone only having the one defeat in, the, in that run that they've had, you were sort of thinking it's going to be, it could be an exciting game, could be, could be good, but then it wasn't really, it wasn't great. I think both both sides would be, be disappointed because with, with Shelburne losing as well, Athlone, if they'd have won, they could have closed the gap and kept kept pace with Wexford Utes. They dropped the three points, P-Mount go back, go back to third, and for Galway, they could have closed that gap even more. So, but won't be too happy with it. I think, considering it's a point, I think you'd be just looking to see what you know. What can we do to improve? What can they do to improve when the sides meet again, second half of the season? But I just think, in terms of the break, it'd be interesting to know just from a work from a Galway and a an Athlone point of view. I know Abby Callanan hasn't played for Galway recently because of the leaving cert. I was talking to Alan Murphy about that, and he said she's, he's hoping to have her back as soon as that's over. She's the one who scored the absolute wonder goal, the chipping against P Mount last season. And you, you look at that, and then you look at Athlone have Athlone potentially missing some. The other, the other problem for Athlone is, is that the likes of Larry Ryan as well playing Gaelic football, so could be tired, could be it's it's tough to to stay motivated for your last your last game before a potential break. But I think both sides we disappointed that that, that it was it was a stalemate at all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one that definitely wasn't a stalemate, but had the potential to be, given how rarely both sides have found the back of the net this season, was uh, the clash down in Turner's Cross between Cork City FC and uh, Treaty, who have, as we said, winless so far this year. Treaty started brilliantly, and Ashley Meany penalty after eight minutes saw them lead 1-0, but it wasn't to be for them. They eventually were to capitulate and lose 2-1 to the home side. Danny Murphy's first game, we had him on the show last week. We were both impressed with him. I don't know if you saw the the mic'd up version of him that went out the other day, but I got to say, if, if that's what he's bringing to the league, I am all for it. I think it's going to be absolutely box office just following Danny in the league over the next couple of weeks and months. The funny thing is, you just took my question straight out of my mouth. That was the exact same thing I was going to say to you because I watched that and I saw her talk. This is just epic, you know. It's something completely box open, open different type of boxing, you know. It gives you something different, and it shows his passion. It shows his 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 drive, and it shows what he wants to do down there. I think the break is probably the break has probably come at the time where because he said to us last week he wants to change things, he wants to look at doing things. So he's got to get a chance to get a couple of weeks with the players. He may give him a week off and then look at seeing what he can do and getting them back in. But it's now going to be the opportunity for him. And the good thing is he's starting to get players back in. We look at the likes of Mario Sullivan in the last couple of weeks and go Lauren Balloon who coming back last week. He's starting to get them sort of players back. And I think he's going to continue to try and see where he can push for one or two more. Like, I think they will improve under him. I think they'll definitely improve under him. And if he, if he can get them being Harriers where they're, where they're chasing every every loose ball, it'll make it interesting. I think going to Turner's Cross in the second half of the season mightn't be as easy as it has been for some teams in the first half. Absolutely. For the record, those two goals, uh, Danielle Burke, probably not the most likely of goal scorers for City. Uh, great goal from her. And then I want to say a great free kick from Lauren Singleton to, to win it with about 10 minutes left on the clock. But genuinely, like, you shouldn't be conceding goals from free kicks like that, like from long range, just a looped in effort in under the crossbar. I, I feel they should be defended better. I don't want to be too hard on goalkeepers, but 
I just, I, I would question how that's allowed to happen. Maybe that's yeah. why truly are where they are. Ten, yeah, I, that's that's a fair, it's a fair assessment. Just want to ask, did you see Eve Mangan's run? Oh, she phenomenal. Put absolutely everything. Yeah. But put the, if she'd have put the ball in the net, it's going to the season all day long. Yeah. That, you're just starting thinking, oh, no. But for me, she is somebody who I absolutely love watching. Watched, I remember watching her under, under Ronan Collins when they play at P-Mount up in Dublin when she scored her first Women's National League goal last year. And I just absolutely love watching her. I just think there's something about her. She gets the, When she gets on the ball, smashing footballer. And yeah. She's the sort of player I'd like to see the team built around the likes of herself and Becky Casson and see how much they can drive on. In terms of treaty, it, they'd be disappointed conceding so late. They would have been hoping they can hold out for, hold out for a draw. What's Donna, what Donna Redden going to do in the transfer window? That's a, that's a good question. Can he get anybody? Does he look at sticking with the youth? I think there are, there's a lot of questions with treaty at the moment. We're definitely seeing improvements. It's taking time, but we are seeing... Bits of improvements week on week. The question is, is how long is it going to take before they they can get better? Probably going to be another another year where they're where they're going to be scraping at results and trying to just keep competitive. As much as we'd love to see them winning games, it's it's a hard sell. I'll be honest. And when you're losing players like Gillian Keane and Jenna Slattery in the last window, uh, for me, I think though the tide is turning slightly for Treaty. And if they if they can take advantage of that, I think getting Ashley Meany's signature for last since she came back from the states is massive. Huge. Um, I think it's it sends out the right signals from the club that they're bringing in players who are in that shake-up, who have that bit of quality about them. And you only have to look at some of the youngsters coming through. And you, you mentioned even Mangan at Cork. For me, Amy Madden is, is as exciting in a slightly different role for Treaty, but I think she's really impressed me. But I've been really impressed by some young players across the league. Amy Madden for Sligo has been a solid for the last three or four games. Didn't have a great weekend last weekend. But the three weeks before, for a player of her age, is phenomenal. Um, I've also really liked Tara O'Hanlon. I've seen her a couple of times now with Piemont this year. And she's very impressive in that left wing back, left full back kind of role. Um, but there's plenty of players coming through. Kerry O'Hara, another one at Sligo I've seen a bit of this year. Technically, these young girls coming through the, the league at 15, 16, 17, 18 are better than the girls in their mid-20s technically. Yeah. And when they start getting through the league, and that's no disrespect to the girls in their who've been in the league five or six years. It's just that these girls have had access to better quality coaching, better quality setups from younger ages in competitive environments, and they can't but be better. And it's it's a really exciting time for the league going forward. Eve Mangan's run the other day is a perfect example of that, but there's some really exciting talent in the league right now, and you only have to see how many of them are in the under-19 squad that was announced today um, that's like really competitive heading for a championships. You know, so it's... It's it's a really really bright future. Can I for, can I um, ask a question on that? Yeah. The, the men's under twenty ones. How important could them making the playoff be for the likes of the underage women's team? Because it gives another avenue to say. Because I know we've had teams qualify in the past, but still to say you know, we can do it. But I still think in order for Ireland to take a next step on, even in terms of national league and international, I still think we need an under twenty three team to fill that to bridge that gap. Because these players when they finish. The players we talk about, even those of Kate Thompson, when they finish underage football, underage international, that's where they become a bit disillusioned. There's no real international option. I think that's where that may bridge the gap, and it it also helped to make the national league better as well. Well, that that team kind of exists in a way in the World University Game Squad, which to date is still the only Irish team that that gets to go to a a, a, a national international competition 
that's modeled on a World Cup. Um, I don't know how many people are familiar with it. I've had the good fortune to actually be at two um, in, in not the last decade, the decade before, showing my age now in 07 and 09. <laughs> and, you know, like it's packed full of international players. It's packed full of women's national league players. And that to me is something that I think the, the FAI and the, and the league and the clubs can really get behind to fill that gap you're talking about. I do agree with you. I On some points, I don't agree that the men's qualification has any impact on the women's game whatsoever. We only have to look, and I know it's 12 years ago now since we got to that under-17 World Cup quarterfinal with Noel King's side. That side has given us the likes of Denise O'Sullivan, Megan Campbell, Grace Maloney, so many more players. I think 13, if I'm not mistaken, 13 of that squad have been capped at senior level. Absolutely. And that's before you even consider the likes of Siobhan Killeen, who's who's forged a really good career for herself in Gaelic games and and others in other sports. So there's a really good... I I think the women can do it for themselves. I think the under-17s, under-19, should I say, getting to this European Championships, that in itself creates that culture. I guarantee the girls at 15, 16, 17 are looking at that squad going, I want that to be me in a couple of years' time. You don't need the lads to show you how it's done. These girls know exactly how to do it. They've actually, in fact, they've been showing the lads up for years. So I think it's 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 all about that collective and seeing their own peers, seeing their own teammates, seeing their own um, heroes, for want of a better word, a couple of years above them, the people they look up to, the people that they're in, inspired by, that's going to be have a bigger impact on them than what the lads do. That being said, I hope the lads do it. I didn't think they showed up the other day against Italy, poor in places, but you look back what they did twice against Sweden, other games in the group it's been a fantastic year for Jim. more what i was getting at is like you see the coverage they're getting like we don't see the under 19s getting as much whereas i'd love to see the under the the, the 19s girls get as much get as much the 17s tournament when it was played in tala last 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 season great great tournament great idea it wasn't as successful for ireland in the elites but like there was nothing even there was barely any press or coverage of it was there was barely any access given that's what i mean you know i'd love to see all that because then we can push that and say there's our, there's our players in the future. These are who are going to inspire us to be to be great next. I, I think, though, there are options to watch it. I think the players do watch it. I don't think it's in a bit of a vacuum. I think the players who need to be inspired by that are exposed to that, whether it's through platforms like us or RT Player or whatever it might be, or even YouTube stuff from the FAI themselves. I, I, I don't think it's as big an issue, maybe, as, as you're thinking about it. But listen, we have one more game to get to before we jump in to our pretty de- in-depth chat with James O'Callaghan. And that was that actual fixture of P-Mount. They're coming off a bad run. Five five games without a, a win had been halted, at least by that 7-0 win down or against Cork. And then they had made the trip to the showgrounds for the first time ever. We all know the history of that opening day fixture. P-Mount won it on the pitch. Game was overturned because of a, a clerical error or an administrative error mix-up between the club and the FAI. Um, they're a bit of a point to prove, although James will deny that. Uh, but they pretty much put the game to bed. It was 5-0, probably could have been double easy enough if Piemont had taken their chances. Sligo did create a couple. I was at the game. Uh, not a great game for the for the neutral at all, but Sligo did create a couple of chances, but really and truly never once really looked like they were going to threaten to win this game. Just shows you how... like The biggest thing when we were talking about Piemont not, not getting the results and things like that, 
you, their forward line were always capable of scoring them goals. The questions we were asking more were, what was the defence? Because they were conceding soft goals. So they have two clean sheets, albeit against Cork and, Cork and Sligo, but they have two clean sheets. That's that's probably more important to them than scoring 12 goals in the two games. I think if they offered them two 1-0 wins, they'd have probably taken them just to get back to get a bit of, bit of momentum. And I think for them, you're right, probably could have scored a lot more, but... They were just happy with the win. They were just happy with the wins. I think the win for them, especially with Shelburne losing, was probably even more important. More important because it helps them to close the gap as well. Like we look at now, where them three points against Sligo were lost, it would have put them even closer, even closer again. And I think, from a PML point of view, it was just job done in the showgrounds. They'd seen Wexford go there and lose the week before. They just didn't want to go down and and have that same fate to them. Yeah, Stephanie O'Chatrick, along with an OG for. Um... Oh, off the top of my head, Amy Roddy, I think, uh, turned the ball into her own net just as she was trying to defend a, a ball just came off her and ended up going past Amy in, in goals and then on Amy Mahan in goals. And then the, the other goal was scored. Oh, I can't remember now off the top of my head. It's on this ship below me. It's from around the second. Alana McAvoy, of course, uh, the player who uh, found the net on the half hour mark. But um, professional job by Paymounts, I thought, I don't think they were that happy afterwards. And I think that kind of speaks to the, the standards that Piedmont set for themselves in terms of their performance. Happy with the result, obviously, five goals, clean sheet, three points in the bag. You can't be unhappy with that, but, but the actual performance wasn't what we've come to expect of Piedmont in recent seasons. I think they still know that to get back to where they were to their best, they're going to have to have better performances down the line. And I think for them, they're just looking, they just want to get a bit of fluidity going, a bit of bit of momentum going to, to build that back up maybe for them the break is probably the wrong time after coming off the, the bad the bad run like as 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 when we met we speak to James like they haven't had a bad run like that in a long long time that just shows how consistent they've been over years where they've been able to grind out results or grind out performances where you know I think for them they just want to they just want to get that bit of momentum back. Yeah I think it's been uh, since they were since half their team left and went to UCD five six years ago um, maybe longer, um, seven, eight years ago, um, is probably the last time they've been that off the pace for a group of games. Anyway, let's listen and jump into our chat with James, recorded earlier today. Thanks very much to James for giving us the time. Um, it's about 20 minutes, 25 minutes of stuff in here. Uh, we go into a lot of detail about a lot of things, but you're going to really enjoy it for fans of the league. So here's what myself and Aaron had to chat with James earlier in the day. And of course, we are joined, as we mentioned at the top of the show, by Piedmont United manager James O'Callaghan, first time visitor to the uh, podcast. James, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Very good. I, I feel like we talk about you enough. We have to <laughs> give you the opportunity to come, come in and have a right to reply. Uh, but I suppose, really, in terms of where we might get started, is, is last weekend, second win on the bounce, 12 goals over the two games, no goals conceded. Uh, nice to maybe slide that five game where that wasn't quite the case that period for, for yourself. So nice to be back into winning ways for payment. Yeah, really uh, good performance on uh, on Saturday against Sligo. Um, I think Sligo, in fairness, them, they're missing probably uh, one or two of their starters in their team. But uh, it was a really good performance from ourselves. We were delighted to get a clean sheet, and uh, you know we were very good with our, with our getting the goals and stuff, our finishing. So you know that was really pleasing, especially going into the break. Before Aaron jumps in, I do want to pull you up on that because do you genuinely believe it was a fantastic performance from finishing? Because I'm not so sure Anya Gorman would agree with you. 
Well, Anya needs to be here to speak for herself. Fairness to Anya, her work rate, her work rate in the game in terms of creating chances was really, really good. Um, you know, she could have had one or two ourselves, yeah. Or six or seven. No, listen, I spoke to her briefly after the game, and she is the lead scorer in the league of all time and for this season. So she knows where the back of the net is, but it was a day she probably won't want to be reminded about, which I've just done. She won't thank yeah. me for that. Well, I'm just to add as I said, like her work rate in the games to be really good, whether she's on the wing or up top, you know, she's, she's a super, super player, you know, and it's great to see her in the senior squad now as well this week. I'm a curious question before I actually jump into Sligo for a second. Did you try out Breffney's um, quiz for the, the goal scorers in the Women's National League? Yeah, oh, yeah. It, was, it was quite It was quite a tough one. I've done it twice. The second time I got a little bit better. Have you had a chance to check that out yet? I haven't, even dared, I haven't even dared go through it. There's so many names. I, I think you had you had about 40-something for us, did you? Then you're up to 60 or something. For, I, think. 40, I think it was 43 for us and then 59 the second time. But yeah, it was some of, the yeah. na- some of the names I missed. I just couldn't believe I missed it. Like, yeah. been watching them for years. Just in terms of Sligo, you're probably going to say no to this, but was there any sort of, you know, you, you felt you had to go and prove a statement, especially considering what happened with Aaron McLaughlin earlier in the season when you lost the three points, you know, because it was a nine-goal swing that game. Was there any any sort of intent in where you thought, you know, we have to go and do something and put on a, a clinical display? No. <laughs> no, any of it does jump. Um, <laughs> no, in, fair, in fairness, no, not really being honest. It was it was more to do with just putting in a couple of forms ourselves. We, we just want to, you know, we've been through a difficult patch um, recently. Um, you know, so last week against Cork, you know, it was a really good performance as well. In terms of our defending was solid, our finishing, our goal scoring was good. And same thing against Sligo. Sligo had beaten Wexford um, the week previously. So, you know, so it was never, we were going up there thinking this was going to be a really, really tough game. Um, and we prepared like that. Um, and we have to give them the respect. Sligo have done phenomenal now, I think, for the first time in the league. Um, they're probably the best ever, I suppose, for the first team that's in the league for the first time. And the amount of points that they've accumulated. Has been really good, especially with, we gave them three points as well at the start, which was a help. Um, but you know, they've done really well. Stephen's doing a fantastic job up there, he's probably not getting the credit he deserves. Um, and they've got some great, really, some good, really young players in that team. And, you know, another couple of seasons they'll be flying. Just on that, talk to us a little bit about the the fourth game. You know, it was tough, I can only assume it was tough. Was can you put your finger down to what it was? You know, like you can see there was a couple of things, maybe a couple of distractions off the field that that maybe get in the way of, you know, what was going on. You can see like the couple of the, the girls had a couple of celebrations and stuff like that. Can you put any pinpoint into what was that? You know, because it's not like P-Mount. It's been a long time since they've had a run that bad. Yeah, and that's probably exactly it. It's been a long time since we've had that run like that. Um, you know, I suppose over the past five seasons, We've been really consistent. You know, we won two league titles. We've lost two league titles on the last day of the season as well. Twice we've been in five cup finals, three FEI Cup, two league cup. So our consistency levels have been really, really good. And I, I suppose this season is the first time, you know, that we've kind of dipped like this. You know, um, which has been tough to take. You know, it's a uh, you know our confidence has suffered. Um, maybe you know just that. I suppose it's team opposition teams are getting better. Um, losing some players doesn't help either over the years. Um, you know, maybe what happened in the last day of the season last year as well. We're still probably still niggling away somewhere there well in our psychology, you know. Um, so there's a lot of those things happening. And it's just, it is what it is. We just had a dip. As I said, it's really hard to remain. You can't keep winning all the time. Um, 
you know, and the teams are getting better. You look at Alone, now this is, I think, Alone's third, third season now with the same kind of group of players, same management. So they're only going to get better at this stage. You have to get better. And Tommy's doing a great job there himself. You know, Bohemians are getting better. DLR, I've got really a really good squad. Squad Wexford, uh, Wexford, Wexford, probably one of the most underrated teams of all time in terms of the most successful team. But they never get the credit they deserve. They're always underdogs. Um, and Shelbourne, in fairness to them, have been have been remarkably consistent themselves. Um, Noel and Joey are doing a great job. You know, and again, Galway, again, same nucleus of players there for the last good few seasons as well. So. Everybody's knocking on the door. Everyone's getting better. Everyone's, it's, it's getting harder and harder all the time. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think our last two games, we've, uh, I'd like to think that we've kind of turned the corner a little bit. We've got to, you know, we've stopped conceding. Um, you know, and we're just, our, our quality of play has been good. Like, our performances haven't been that bad. Most of the time, I think we're probably being the better team in the games we have, that we would have drawn or lost, if you look at the stats on it. Um, so, you know, so we just, as I says, we're just taking one game at a time now. That's all. We're not thinking about leagues or anything like that. It's just one game at a time. And again, our next game is DLR, and that's all we'd be preparing for. You mentioned a few things there that I want to come back to you on over the next 10 minutes or so. But, uh, you, you kind of talked about how teams have gotten better in the league. How important is it for the league in general that teams like Sligo can can take points off Wexford, that Wexford can then go take points off Shells, that DLR can, can beat Shells or Wexford. I mean, like that. teams are able to go to other teams in the league. Uh, you, you've had it yourselves this year, where you've lost teams that you would have been expected to beat fairly handily in previous years. Is, is that really good for the league going forward? That it's competitive. That you don't quite predict what's going to happen in every single game. Of course, it's it's really. I think it's really good. Even ourselves traveling up to Sligo was was different. It was our first time to travel to Sligo um, in the Women's National League. Going into the ground, fantastic ground. Um, really great pitch, great setup up there. And Sligo, you know, I think they're like a breath of fresh air in, in, in the league. It's really, really good to see. So, and, you know, as you said, they beat Wexford last week. Um, you know, so they're a good, good side. And it's the same with all the teams. Like, you, they do need time to, to bet in. And you're seeing the, you know, you're seeing the fruits of that now, especially, say, the likes of Atlone, who've been up the toward in, in the table. Um, you know, again, another good, good setup there. And they're, they're, they've plugged away. They've had some heavy defeats in the first year or two. Now that they're, they're, they're doing really well, and same looks with Bowes and all the teams. So it's really good. It's really good to see. I think from my time now, this is going to be six seasons now as manager of female. I think this is um, it's probably the best the league. It's it's in terms of competitive, in terms of teams can take take points off anybody. It really can. Um, I seem to see Cork gonna are gonna. I think they're gonna step up now as well. The new management. Um, you know they're only gonna get better. So you know it's it's really good to see. In terms of, I just, I, I do want to bring you back to, because you, you mentioned that, that the last night of last season, you know, the TV cameras out there against DLR the week before, then when, you know, you got 2-0 up against Galway and that sort of thing. Surely it is a hard thing for players to to absorb, especially when you're when you're used to, to, to winning and then losing in such such a dramatic state. What was it like? How did you, you know, how did you even regroup them sort of players to come back this season? Because some of them, who've won a lot maybe could have said ah do you know what enough's enough how do you get them back and get them to come back after something like that yeah listen it was it was really tough at the time we didn't we didn't expect it um it wasn't meant to happen like that but it did um fairness to Gawi as I said again Gawi they're a really good side and people again probably don't give them the credit um so you know the old saying 
you know, it's it's you learn a lot as well from these defeats, and, and you know, you see the character of the players. You know, the, the hunger is still there in these players. They still want to come back and they still want to do well. We all regrouped. We had a chat with each other, and we all decided we're going to go again. And um, we weren't happy with how it finished. You know, you got to be resilient, um, and you got to just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep believing in yourselves. And that's what we're trying to do. You know. One or two players maybe made a different choice to that at the end of last season. I know Nisha McAloon got the opportunity to go to Durham. She's been rewarded uh, with a uh, call up to the international side today, which her first. Uh, you must be delighted to have players like that, um, kind of make that step on and, and take that step. Even though female players are well capable of getting in the squad as well, we look at Steph Roach being recalled to the squad today as well. Yeah, it's great, great for Nisha. Um... Again, we were sad to see her leave. Pimo, she was with us since I think under fourteens. Um, you know, she's a real female player. Um, so we're absolutely delighted for everybody is is thrilled for her, you know, she's been working away. She's a very, very good keeper. Um, so it's it's great to see her in the squad. Again, for Steph, again, Steph is uh, is in good form at the moment. She's a top, top player. Um, you know, I'm delighted for her to be in the squad as well. It's really good to see you alongside Annie from from Pimo. Just on that. Can we stop picking on your Gorman as a fullback? It's one question. <laughs> one thing I, I I don't like is you know she's as you say earlier, Brefney, the, the the up up there in the highest score in women's national league players. But yeah, she's picked as a fullback. I remember watching her and Steph score a hat trick against Montenegro. I think it was Cyrano's last competitive game in, in Tallaght Stadium. One eight nil, they both scored a hat trick, and ever since then she's been a defender. Yeah, well, Melania well, is it? She's not around kind of player as well. She can defend. So she is a very good defender as well. In fairness to her, but you know she's a, you know she's a really attacking player, and she does. If she's not going to score goals herself, she can create lots of goals, which is great taking on players one v one situation. So you know, maybe they're, they're missing out on her up in, in the attacking half of the pitch, you know. But she is a good defender as well. We're not doubting that, but we just from having seen her play 10, 15 years ago, I don't think I'd ever put her behind. An eight position at worst, if that makes sense. She she'd be there. She'd be in the top half of the field for me all day, every day. But listen, that's why we don't get paid the big bucks, Aaron. And we're down with the the plebs just commentating on what's going on. James, um, some players also have made the, the decision to move, and, and Piedmont have lost players, um, the likes of Neil Farley, Claire Walsh. There's, there's probably a list of players as long as our arm that have come through Piedmont and moved on abroad or whatever. How much of a loss is it to to this club to keep losing players like that? For no compensation, and then having to replace them year on year, a couple of gaps filling up every year. Yeah, listen, it's great. It's great for the players when they go away. You can see when they do get a get a contract abroad, they'd be really excited and they'd be delighted to be gone as well, even though they're sad to leave their club. So it's a great, great chance for them. But it's it's very very tough on the on the teams. Like you see Shelburne as well losing loads of players. Um, so for Pete Mount, it's been it's been tough, and it's very hard. It does be very hard to replace them. Again, I'd loved I'd loved all the players were staying, and we had a you know a super league in Ireland where all the best players were here, and and you build up the fan base, and everybody got to see them. You know, it could be really really exciting. But until we start rewarding the players, um, you know, we can't we can't stop them from going. You know, the whole compensation thing is outrageous. I, I don't know how that's. It, it is what it is there, but it's 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 really poor. That's another big issue. But we do need to start awarding the players, like you know, to, to give them, you know, the encouragement to stay here. Because you know, if if imagine having all the best players here in the country and everyone could go and see them, it'd be brilliant. 
are we in danger of, of going down the same road that we've taken with the men's team over the last decades of just outsourcing our international team's development and our international team's kind of finishing school in other leagues abroad, whether it's the US, the UK, or on the, on the continent, um, where the League of Ireland kind of becomes secondary or the Women's National League kind of becomes secondary then to players, they get a certain stage and they move on. We have an yeah. opportunity to keep these girls around because we're not dealing with the men's level of compensation. Like 15 or 20 grand a year is probably the bulk of what these girls are getting for six or eight months of the year. We surely we can find that money somewhere within the game. Well, that, that's exactly it. And it's not the equivalent, as you said, when some of the boys, the men's players, they go away, they're getting thousands, you know, millions, some of them. So, but the, and the, the women going away, it's getting, you know, some of them are probably, I don't know what they're getting, but I don't think it's, it's that amazing contracts that they're getting so it's a quite you know it's it's a tough tough environment they're going into you know like imagine if they were able to get paid here get it even get part-time wage and they're able to work part-time as well alongside that it, it, it would be brilliant it'd be brilliant to see but again unless they i i you know i, I do think that you know what, what's kind of getting popular now is the women's team to get affiliated with the men's teams and maybe the men's teams subsidize it and start pumping the money in um or you know i, I would like to see if, if if that didn't happen, maybe there's a private investment that could be pumped in to make it happen, or you know shame the government into into give pumping millions into the women's in sport, especially women's in soccer, and for make up for all the years of neglect because there's been massive neglect over the years in women women in sport, and obviously we're talking about women in soccer, so they should be any shamed into that to, to try and you know help them catch up because it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot of money, a lot of investment, and really to, you know because it's a great product. Every we, we're all really you know, motivated by the women's soccer. We, we see how honest the players are. You see the efforts that go, goes into the game and the quality of play. It's a really, really great product. And loads of people still don't, haven't, haven't seen women's games as well. So it's still, you know, we're still just, you know, at the beginning, I think. Two things on that. One, just from a different sport, I've seen a basketball team in Kerry where the top team, where their, their women's section is being pulled out of, out of the top league in the country due to funding. So I totally agree with James on that. But James, you talked about affiliations with League of Ireland clubs. How would that sort of work with, with P-Mount? Because, you know, P-Mount doesn't have that sort of thing. So it's, it leaves a bit yeah. of a difficult situation if that was to come in. Like, has there been any discussions on that at the moment? Well, Potentially, it's a, it's a, I suppose a difficult situation. Um, you know, I've I've always said it. You know, if a men's team is really genuine about really you know bringing in a women's team and they're going to show equality and they're going to pump in the same resources into the men's as they do the women's, you know that would be brilliant. They could really you know they, I think they could start cleaning up you know and then go into Champions League as well and they're pumping the resources in. They could really progress in Champions League. But you know, I still think there's a question mark there in terms of, you know, are the men's teams really genuine about it? How, how far are they going to go with their, their investment? How much of equality are they, are they looking for? A lot of the time, League of Ireland men's teams, you know, they just about have enough, you know, fun and to make, make, make their own team, men's teams kind of do, do well. So, you know, is it a case where they're kind of been, you know, they kind of have to do it from FAI and legislation and stuff like that? Again, I'm not too sure. Um, but, you know, regards female. There had been previously, obviously, talks with with, with League of Ireland team that didn't pro progress. Um, so at the moment, payment are a are a standalone project uh, team. Um, you know they own their own grounds. They've a lot of things, and they've a fantastic schoolgirl setup. And they've been very successful over the years. 
and they're just looking forward to trying to do things better going forward. I'm not sure what, what club you had had dealings with in the past, but I know there have been um, murmurs and, and statements out of Shamrock Rovers in terms of their intent to have a team in the league next year. Um, is that going to have an impact on payment? Is it something that maybe could be done together rather than competing for the same slice of geography there in, in southwest Dublin? It remains to be seen whether it will have an impact on payment. Again, Rovers had a team in the league previously and they pulled out. Um, so that didn't, you know, for whatever reasons, they had to pull out of it, you know. So it remains to be seen. So only, only you know, there was discussions um, previously, but it didn't it didn't work out. So, you know, I think Rovers are coming into the league next season now and, and good luck to them. Just in terms of payment itself, like we all know it's an awkward situation to get there, but... You know, you have seen the club make some sort of investment, so you see the stand that's gone into into the ground. I think that's that's a great initiative, just because there's nothing worse than being out there in the in the rain. And you know, it's it's small t- it's small things like that. But from a from a from a women's section point of view, how do you push it on being an independent project like that without private backing? Because it's 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 extremely difficult when you're you know, especially when you're where you're located as well. Yeah, listen. It's uh, it's something that people have to look at and going into the future about getting private, maybe private investment. You know, there's still, you know, potentially down the road they could affiliate with a men's team. It's 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 up up to payment. But at the moment they've they're, they're doing the best they can. They've 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 they're very successful at the moment. They they've you know as I said they've a fantastic schoolgirl setup. They've they've been a feeder for a lot of different teams in the country, um because there's only so many players can play in the senior team. So other players have moved around. Um you know it's. So, you know, the, as I said, they, they own their own ground. A lot of teams don't have their own ground. Um, so there's a lot of uh, positives there. But again, going forward, as I said, if if money starts, funding starts getting pumped into the league, you know, payment will, you know, hopefully be part of that and, and you know, and continue to do well. You know, I think the, the contribution payment have made to the women's game, not just since the start of the league, but even for a decade before that, uh, goes without speak, talking about it. They've been a huge player in the, the Dublin football and national football discussion for a long, long time. Bringing it back, I suppose, to the actual squad and to football uh, rather than the off-the-field stuff, James. Um, there's been some really uh, big names through the, the years of P-Mount and some of them still in the squad. The likes of Stephanie and Anya, we've talked about Karen Duggan, Neve Reed Burke, obviously. They've been floating around Ireland and P-Mount squads for the best part of a decade, if not longer. But there's some really exciting young talent coming through that squad at the moment. And specifically, the ones who've caught my eye would be Tara Hanlon has made a really big impact. I really like, she's a nice, tidy fullback. And up front, Michelle Dunan's had a couple of runs in the last couple of weeks. She looks like she has a huge potential in the league as well. Yeah, listen, Tara has, has been doing, she's only 17. She's been doing for... Um... Remarkable considering her age, but you know she is an under seventeen international. She's one of the captains there as well, so she's she's a really good player, and hopefully she keeps her feet in the ground and she keeps maintaining her level of performances going forward, um, because she could become a top top player. And again, Michelle as well. She's she's starting to break into the side. She's got tremendous pace. She's looking really good up top, um, you know. So that's what I'm saying about the school girl system in in, in Piedmont. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of work getting done on the 19s level, on the on the 17s, on the 16s, on the 18s, and 15s, all the way down 14s, all the way down. A lot of volunteer coaches, you know, putting a lot of work in, and there's a lot of good young players coming through. Even myself, before I took over Piedmont, I was involved with the school girl system, and and we'd lost a lot of players at the time, you know. So we had to rely on a lot of young players to come through. The likes of Nee Farley and Nisha and and Lauren. Um, you know, Lucy and, and Ellie, they, they, they were all young players coming through at the time. They're all 
16, 17, 18 year olds. And this is what Pimo has been built on. That's the foundation. And that and that's why they've been doing so, so well. I remember when they all made their debut. I remember that season. It was just um, yourself had come in with the likes of Christy Lockett. It was just a bunch of youth, young players. And you could see straight away, you know, those certain players made massive impact. Just want to touch on one player you mentioned there, James. I'm sure she's a massive loss this year. Lucy McCartan, obviously tearing her ACL. She was one of the most versatile players you've had in your squad, playing defence, playing midfield. She was a massive loss when, when you lost her before the start of the season. Yeah, and at least it was quite devastating for Lucy in, in terms of the injuries she picked up because she's like she, she's hard as nails, Lucy, you know. And and we were probably, you know, at times this year we probably lacking that bit of toughness um at times, you know, and that and that belief she she'd run through a wall for you, Lucy, you know. So hopefully she gets back soon, you know, I'm hoping to get her back in the latter end of the summer. Um Possibly, possibly. Um, so you know, be really be like a new sign when we get back. One final question for me, and just one of the other players you mentioned there as well. Throws a, a bit of a different dynamic than we see in a lot of the situations between manager and player. Is of course Lauren uh, O'Callaghan. Same surname. That's because she's your daughter. What's it like, kind of dealing with uh, a daughter, particularly in those kind of difficult teenage years into early twenties, and uh, dealing with her outside of the the family environment and with a football team as well? Because it's a strange kind of dynamic at the best times. Yeah, it is. You know, we used to have killings coming coming home from training, you know, a lot of the time. But over the years, we kind of learned to, to, to deal with it, you know. And, you know, again, Lawrence, she works really hard. You know, she had a bad injury near the latter end of last season. She broke a bone, a foot, you know. But again, she's working hard. She just tries to do her best, you know. I hope, I hope me being a manager is never a hindrance to her. Um, But, uh, you know, but we, we, we kind of learned to... Uh, you know, tolerate each other at this at this stage. I think. Well, I've got I've got one point yeah. before we let him go, James. Just want to ask. I have to ask this. As you've been with the club a long time, what motivates you just to continue and to keep going? Because you know you're there so long. Yeah, good question, Aaron. Good question. I think he's mad to get you out of the job, James. <laughs> <laughs> never. Aaron. Listen, Aaron, I like, never I like he's James. He's looking for the gig himself. He's doing his licenses on the QT in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, I listen in a funny way. I think what happened last season, um, and how it finished probably gave me more motivation to come back again for another season because you know, it just couldn't finish like that. You know, it kind of kind of made me reevaluate things and, and relook at things. And, and you know, there's a great, great bunch of girls in, in, in Paymount. You know, they're really a pleasure to, to, to coach and manage. You know, and I'd really like them to see them do well. Um, going forward, you know, and people, as I says, they're one of the few teams, clubs that there is equality with the men's and, and the women's, and they do really, it's probably more so in favor of the women, if the truth be known. Um, there's not many clubs around where you get that, you know, so there's great support for the women's set up there. Um, so it's, it's, it would be tough, it would have been tough to leave them the, so last season, the way, way it finished, you know, so. I'm off, you know, really motivated, really, we really want to do well. Um, this season, we've had a dip. Um, but we're really looking forward to our next game against DLR and getting back into things. Yeah, I think when uh, the men's side of the club bring in a, an Olympic champion, a Puskas nominee and a couple of professional players, maybe they should get a 50-50 on that one as well. We like it when the clubs get a, a little bit more on the female side of the game. James, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. We won't leave it as long again, I promise. Yeah. Uh, and the best luck for the rest of the season. Things are going well anyway. Enjoy your break. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Uh, great stuff, lads. Thanks very much. See you soon, James. Cheers. I've, I've interviewed James a lot. I've 
struggle to get interviews out of him, where sometimes he won't, he'll just, he'll give you the pragmatic answer. But for me, you come across passionate, come across, you can see the hunger still there. Uh, you can see how much it hurt, even last year hurt and going into this year. And it's interesting to see him open up a little bit more and actually say it hurt because a lot of the time managers won't, they'll have the conversations privately. But I think people probably got to see a different side of James in that interview and one that probably we'd be happy to see that it's it's come out and shown him in a bit of a different light. Yeah, well, I think that's what we like to do here on the show. We tried to do it for the last 18 months or so is let's get behind the headline or let's get behind the perception and actually show what this means to people. Because I think to the players, the coaches, the officials, uh, everybody associated with the league, even fans like yourself and myself and commentators, like again, that, that do this kind of thing, we want to see it succeed. We're not here for the good or our health. We're definitely not here for the money. We're here to really try and, and create that atmosphere where girls coming through these academies and emerging talents and underage leagues have that platform, A, to just get on and, and become the best they can be. And then if that's good enough to maybe uh, get into an Ireland jersey or get into a professional contract, whether that's at home in Ireland eventually or in another league elsewhere on the planet, then that's what it's there to do. It's really to create that kind of pathway for girls to get to the level that they should be at. We've seen so many athletes over the years uh, not have those opportunities, maybe post-school, post-college, uh, when they leave a certain geographic area like Dublin or Cork and not have a club around to play for, where it's just not practical unless your parents are prepared to drive you halfway across the country twice or three times a week, which does happen, but it's rare. Um, I think it's so important to see the likes of Athlone, Sligo, Galway, Wexford, be coming into the league, being competitive, being and, and treaty. Sorry, I forgot treaty, but but being competitive and, and giving that platform to girls to come through and, and build that not just the, ta the talent on the field, but that self confidence to come and, and have a, a chat here. And I think that's what we like to do here. We, it's definitely the reason why we set up Final Whistle and why we set up the, this podcast and others like it on the platform to, to kind of let people be themselves and. And showcase that and i'd like to think we've contributed a bit towards that and like the likes of james i know we chatted a little bit um in person on saturday after the game for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and then we had a bit of a sound check before today earlier this morning and and so you kind of that bit of familiarity he knows our hearts in the right place as well we're not here to get for a gotcha i know we asked him about the shamrock rover situation and we asked him about players leaving and maybe other girls choosing to go elsewhere and like you can't keep away from the awkward questions, but we're not here to catch anybody out. We're not looking for clickbaity headlines. We're looking to just tell the story. And thankfully, hopefully that's the result of, of why you've seen interviews like that with James. Absolutely. Like think about it, him, the likes of Christy Lockie, Patrick and Vinnie Patterson, they picked that club up off, off their arse pretty much, excuse the language, when all the players went to, went to, to UCD Waves with, with Eileen Gleason at that time. And like he speaks about bringing in the likes of Lucy, Eleanor, Neve, like some of them have gone on to have great careers just in terms of the National League and we talk about having good regions and stuff like that great news last week with Drada saying that they're going to have an underage team in the Women's National League with Laura Donovan taking over as head of women's football I think that's brilliant move great person, a lot of passion has previously worked in the FAI a lot of passion for the league, a lot of passion for, for women's sport and I think that'll help as well if we can see them come into in the next couple of years as well to give more options for these young players because I remember seeing a header pain come from Ballinasloe to Peamount two three times a week her mother used to bring her I, I, that's massive commitment and where now as you say they have the options 
Yeah, and Dergal O'Byrne would have done the same from right beside me here in, in County Leitrim, up and down to, to Piedmont, or to Shells as, as it was at the time, you know, um, to, to she, she originally would have played for them and then UZ obviously when she went to college. But but you see the players making that commitment. Even now, the likes of Roshi Malloy uh, was up and down to Athlone, I know she's in college there now, Mern Devaney, just doing her leaving cert, up and down to Athlone as well. So you see these girls, and, and those stories are replicated over the country the entire country, whether it's girls traveling from Cork to play with Treaty or vice versa, you know, we see these stories every day across the league. And, and it's great that these centers are now becoming to every single region, at least might get to every town, but they're definitely getting to every region where it's a bit more manageable for these girls to play in their own remit, maybe within the, an hour or so of their, of their homes. And, and I think that's really, really important to, to kind of continue to grow this. But um, it, it, it's exciting times for everything, you know, really, really exciting times. Anyway, let's talk about some of the games. Uh, sorry, we've no games to talk about. There's no fixtures next week. I'm losing the run of myself here. But we do have uh, some other news in terms of the this, the uh, the international team that was announced this morning. I might just uh, flash it up here on screen and let's get a look and maybe see who's in the squad. And in terms of goalkeepers... Uh, you see they're fairly reliable. Eve Badala misses out this time, but she's been replaced by a former WNL veteran, uh, Nisha McAloon. I don't know what's going on there. Eve didn't play for DLR last week either, so I, I can only assume Eve is, Eve is unavailable due to due to other commitments or something else because she wasn't involved with DLR, wasn't even on the bench, and which is, is surprising. So good good first call-up for, for Nisha McAloon. She's waited a while. She's had to bide her time and she'll have a, a good experience with the team this week. Absolutely. In terms of defenders, now bear in mind, this isn't exactly as the FAI announced it. It's as they are on the final whistle website live. So uh, not only are women in the defenders section in our world, but uh, she is on the list there as well. But some familiar names there for most Irish fans, I suppose. Jessie Stapleton, also named in the under-19 squad. It remains to be seen whether she remains in both of those squads. But kind of as, as you were really at this stage of the... Yeah. Considering the nineteens play on the thirtieth, you wouldn't be surprised to see her play, potentially play in both. Could could also potentially see a maybe an Avian Clancy come into the nineteen squad like if after leaving sir. But yeah, it's a second call up. She was called up to the to one of the camps last late last season as well. So she's doing well in the national league. No real no real surprises. A lot of the, a lot of the same usual faces are in. Yeah, in, in midfield then of course Kira Grant obviously fresh from her move across uh, Scotland to Hearts. Uh, Denise Sullivan, Jamie Finn in there as well. Jessica Zhu currently on her way to West Ham from Shell. She played her last game, as we mentioned, last weekend. So she's in there as well. Lily Ag, another name that's come on the Ireland scene recently, uh, brings a wealth of experience with uh, the London Lionesses, I think. Um, so she's, uh, she's a huge addition. We don't know too much about her, though, as fans of the Women's National League. What do you know about her, Aaron? I know a bit about her. I know she's spent, she's gone a bit of around around the clubs a little bit. She's had quite a lot of injuries in in recent years. She was with London with London Bees before going to London City Lionesses, but I haven't seen a lot of her a lot of her play because she's been injured quite a lot. But I know Vera Vera sort of pushed to get the together to declare for Ireland. She's she's pushed to try and get a, a few players from abroad to, to declare. I don't know at her age. I think she's 27, 28, If she'll have much of an impact in that Ireland team, especially with the likes of Denise O'Sullivan, Jamie Finn, sort of being settled in the middle of the park. Then, for me, one of the standout players in that midfield that's named is is Roma McLaughlin. I absolutely love watching Roma play. I think she's one of the most technically gifted players that I've seen come out in the National League. I remember watching her on that P Mount team that made it, that 
with James O'Callaghan when when all the kids were playing. She making her debut. She used to commute from Donegal down for for games. Absolute gifted footballer. Yeah, and um, my favorite person in the squad as well, Rush Little John. I've never had the pleasure of meeting her, but I just think she's absolutely hilarious. Um, in terms of the forwards, then of course uh, a couple of names in here that would be categoried elsewhere in the FAI: Lucy Quinn in as midfielder, Anya O'Gorman in as a uh, defender, but. On our system, they're down as strikers. And, of course, Stephanie Roach returns for the first time in a while to the international fold, I think. And I think maybe herself, she might have felt that her, her time had passed. But great to see her performing well and getting uh, compensated and then getting rewarded with that with a call-up back into the international side. Listen, I know you, you like Stephanie. I got on well with her. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think she'd be back in the squad. She's worked hard. She's had a lot of bad luck in the last year or two. When she come back to PMO and picking up the niggles and stuff like that, where she sort of struggled a little bit in terms of fitness. But for her, she's worked hard. She's kept her head down. I think she would be near enough top scorer if it wasn't for the slugger result being reversed. She'd be, she'd be right level with, level or close to Anya. But she's had a good season so far. I, I think she, she'll go in there. She'll add a wealth of experience with Kira Caruso missing. You've also got the likes of Rihanna Jarrod missing, Leanne Kiernan missing. It was the case of who she was going to go to next. But listen, if Stephanie can go and impress, if she gets a bit of a run out in the, in the, in the Philippines game, she might she might put a bit of an impression on for, for Vera, but she can still score goals. That's the thing about a striker. They never lose that, that itch to score goals. Well, she got three of them at the weekend, as you mentioned there. Currently joint third in the table. Those two that were ruled out against Sligo at the early start of the season would put her in second. But of course, Onya Warman also had two that day. So she'd still be those three strikes ahead of Stephanie. Uh, but in terms of the, the actual league table or the scoring charts at the moment, that's where we are. In terms of clean sheets, Amanda Budden, despite the, the mix-up at the weekend, stays top of that table. Eve Badan, who didn't feature at the weekend, in second uh, with Neve Coombs and Abigail Ronan in positions three and four, respectively. Uh, as we look at the actual league table then, of course, Shells is top of the league with that five-point margin. Only five points, though, because that could have been a much wider gap had Wexford not done uh, what they did at the weekend. Three further points back to Piedmont United and Athlone, while Galway are rest of the top half of the table on 23 points. And then, as you can see, Sligo, 16 points in the first 14 games. I think even disregarding the three they got from the Piedmont fixture at the start of the year, that's a fantastic performance. I'd have been surprised for them to get double figures, uh, to have 16 on the board, at this stage of the season, if they can bring that to 2025 by the end of the year, I think it'll be a really, really solid first season for them. Uh, Bowes will probably be disappointed with that. And then Cork and Treaty. I thought Treaty were going to get the first three points of the weekend, of the season at the weekend. Um, you know what? Just just on a Bowes point of view, they've also been very, very unlucky with the amount of injuries they've had. Losing the likes to Katie Burris, Chloe Darby come on against DLR Waves. Probably have to play a lot more than they would have wanted wanted her to play, considering she's been out for quite a while. I think if they can get them sort of players back, they'll definitely add an awful lot. I think they'll take a lot of confidence from beating P Mount and getting their first win over over a top three side. But the best thing is, Breffney, and we've said it many times, is a lot of these weekends we go into these games and we're like, I don't know who's going to win now. Whereas it used to be you, 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 and you. Where it's it's not as much that anymore, and that's the best thing for me about the league at the moment. Yeah, we did touch on that earlier with James as well. For me, I love the fact that I get surprised almost on a weekly basis now by at least one, if not two or three results across the league. And I think that's what's really going to push this league forward is competition. We don't want to see uh, processions to league titles. And the fact that 
we now have a bit of a title fight on our hands. Shells, they are five points ahead. They're still very much in the driving seat, but it's not out of other teams' hands. PM might have to play them twice. Wexford yeah. have to play them once or twice as well. So there's definitely opportunities there for teams to close that gap over the coming weeks. Absolutely, absolutely. And PML played them the second week, the the weekend of the 16th of July. So there's a, it's it's not long away either. Yeah. Well, listen, that is it for the week for us. Thank you very much, particularly to James Callan, who joined us for so um, much of his time. And he was very, very generous with his time and his, his thoughts over that 25 minute interview we did with him earlier on. Also, to the people that Aaron spoke to after games last week, to Graham Kelly, Rachel Kelly, and the two girls from Wexford, Kira Rosser and Kylie Murphy. It's been a pleasure as always. What are you going to do with the next day? Uh, we're going to give you next week off, Aaron. We're taking you know, off the show. You know what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm looking forward. There's no football on really much. Just taking a bit of a break and ready to go. Come the second of July. Plug yourself in and recharge the batteries. We'll be back Absolutely. here in two, two weeks with another show uh, preview and I suppose that international team as well and uh, taking a look at the the Irish game. Um, there's also a small matter of a a wedding on the 30th of, of June that some of us have to go to as well. Which. Uh, Actually, can I just can I just stop you there for a quick second? I think Dora Gorman gets married this weekend, if I'm not mistaken, as well. She's she's another one of the P-Mount Club getting married, so wishing Dora the best of luck as well. Well, we might as well name names now if we're going to name names. <laughs> well, obviously, last weekend, congratulations to Jess and Laura from DLR on their nuptials. I know it was all over social media, so we're not really letting the cat out of the bag on that one. Uh, and then, of course, uh, that first round game back after the break, the P-Mount game has been moved to the Monday night because Steph uh, Roach is getting married the previous week and uh, just to give them a recovery time to get over the, the wedding and into... Uh, now, whether her Ireland call-up is going to affect her preparation. <laughs> I hope she has the dress fittings done and everything like that. But listen, we're not going to talk about weddings because that's something that you, neither of us have any knowledge on just yet. We leave it for a little while on that score. But listen, thank you to everyone for joining us again this week. Uh, and it's been a pleasure. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the Women's National League show. Talk to you then.